The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. From the old National Bank State Street studio, you're listening to Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Let's do a little detective work here. Travis Kelsey, raucous introduction here, as always. And then there's the biggest pop star in the world, Taylor Swift, with Travis's mom, Donna. I mean, I think the secret's out. Who's she here to see? I mean, I think think the secret's out. I think we can... uh play matchmaker and uh, put put the rumors to rest. I think they are officially a couple, and I think the internet right now is going insane. <laughs> Good pickup on the blitz. Mahomes gives him time right to Kelsey. Into Bears territory, down across the 35. Well, you come into the game and you think you have a plan. I think the plan should start with covering arguably the best tight end in NFL history. Travis Kelsey, you see, just kind of, they just flat out leave. Travis Kelsey, uncovered on the little wheel route. His new biggest fans pretty fired up there. That, that suite looks like they're having a blast. There's, it's like a 30-person suite. 11th play of the drive. Mahomes walking in. zone. there it is. A touchdown to Kelsey. Well, I think that picture uh, sums up the day here for Kansas City. They're, they're on top of the world. The Kelsey-Mahomes combination going to go down as one of the best ever. This may be the first time in history that Patrick Mahomes isn't the most popular player in Arrowhead. (laughs) But Taylor Swift in the house, Travis Kelsey says, oh, baby, it's a big day for the Chiefs. Aaron Andrews, I mean, this, this day is fire right now. Oh, we all need to calm down. And I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about having Taylor Swift here. I don't know who jumped higher after a Travis Kelsey touchdown. If it was Taylor or Greg Olson when he heard she was going to be at the stadium today. And, of course, Travis had one of the best quotes saying, you know, she rocked it here at Arrowhead in the summer with her concert. If she comes out here, I'll have to put on a show for her. He did that even in warm-ups. My goodness. Yeah. In intros? Quite the day, right? Unbelievable. Quite the day for the Chiefs, 241-0. Well, it was a debacle for the Bears, but I truly do believe what we witnessed on Sunday will forever be remembered as the Taylor Swift game. Well, and thankfully for, for Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. And that, Aaron Andrews. And Aaron Andrews that, that Taylor Swift was there because otherwise there would have been nothing to talk about. And I thought that actually Bill Belichick today on his radio show had probably the best line of all. Do you have that clip? I think I do, if I can get to it here. Go ahead. You can uh, well, it was about filibuster here. Y- yeah, I mean, why, if you have it, then I'll let Bill Belichick actually deliver the line. You know, Bill Belichick probably feeling much better after the Patriots got past the Jets. So they were working on a, on a winning, you know, a, a winning Monday, victory Monday. But unless you said you, you can, have it, Charlie, but I, I just what Bill Belichick said was is Travis Kelsey's made a lot of great catches in his career. This yeah. may be his wow. best. Taylor Swift was in attendance to watch Travis Kelsey's game with his mom in the box. Seems like they may be the new it couple. Where do you fall on that? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, power couple in the NFL. Well, I would say that. Travis Kelsey's had a lot of big catches in his career. <laughs> this would be the biggest. 
Nailed it. Probably the best line of the day in the you know football you know landscape from Listen, Bill Belichick. I'll give him credit because he delivered it better than I did initially. But yeah. a couple weeks ago, I asked you the question: Would this be the biggest accomplishment for Travis Kelsey if he could land Taylor yeah, but it Swift doesn't as, sound a as Funny when it comes I agree, out of your I mouth. Agree. I don't. Bill okay, Belichick. fine, 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 fine. I will. Uh, By the give way, you that. to your point. Travis Kelsey has just surpassed 3 million Instagram followers. He added over 325,000 in a week, more than he gained after winning last season's Super Bowl. Yeah, he's um he is pacing I, he's right such now. A li- I like him too. I think he's a likable personality. Yes. And he does a great job on all the commercials that he's a part of now too. Dude, I remember he he hosted SNL last year. I did not see it. And, and there were a couple clips which were our uh, clip skits, a couple of skits yeah. that were pretty outrageous. In, in particular the the American Girl doll as a I, as an American girl dad who has lived that life, you would truly appreciate it. There's a moment where he goes to the cafe, the American Girl Cafe. Yeah, I did see some and of he, that. And he sits down with the American Girl doll, but he doesn't have a, a daughter. He's just hanging out, yeah. eating at the American Girl Cafe. And if you're a father of a daughter yes. who has had an American Girl doll, you can uh, certainly uh, understand what that's like. Anyway, I digress. That, that This Bears fans, I think 10 years from now, we're going to remember, I, unless they pull themselves out of this somehow, some way, this Sunday, this past Sunday, is going to, in a lot of ways, encapsulate the Matt Eberflus era. Because I don't think, unless he really figures it out quickly, he's going to be able to avoid where we're headed. And it's a bad I, spot for him. That is a fair That is a fair statement. I would suggest to you that if the Denver Broncos come to town on Sunday and win this game, that that will then be the leader in the clubhouse for Brock Bottom. A team that got beat 70 to 20 mm-hmm. comes to your building. And if, in fact, they beat you here, I would suggest to you that would then take over the reign as the or the title maybe. of the, the, the low water mark for this group. You may be correct. We'll have to because see. that will also be how many losses in a row That'll if be in fact it happens. That'll be 14. They're at 13 right now. And thirteen with them giving up at least twenty five points in each game. That Correct. is already it was a it was an NFL record last week before this loss. The record continues. Yeah. It's not good. It's not a good spot to be. Three one two, three three two, three seven seven six. We are taking your calls here on Waddle and Sylvie. I'm Jeff Meller in for Sylvie today. You know what the bad part is before we get to the mm-hmm. line real yeah, quick yeah. too is is I really can't sell you a ton of hope right now. There's really nothing I can say, yeah, but keep your eye on this. I just can't. At the moment right now, there's really nothing that I can do or say. And usually I can find, you know, a bright light somewhere in the darkness. At this yeah. moment, I, I don't, I really don't see it. I, I can't find one. We're all looking for the light switch here in the dark. I don't know. Nick is in Joliet. What's going on, Nikki? Hey, guys. I talked to you guys a couple months ago, uh, right before the season had started, stuff like that. We were talking about Kevin Warren and all this. Guy's got to remember the guy's only been here since April, okay. And a lot of this stuff going on with Alan Williams, it might not have came out, but I'm pretty sure Kevin Warren had a conversation with Poles, whatever it was, saying, "Hey, we're not going to go to national TV and get this guy out of here, but whatever he did, he's got an option: either you resign professionally, or we're going to fire you." So we can't keep going with the same Ted Phillips McCaskey history that we've been going through. We got to give these guys some time. And last year we were evaluating the team and the the players. This year I think Poles and Warren are looking together. Hey, let's evaluate these coaches and see what we got. 
we got to get off Justin Fields a little bit. The guys, every fucking play running for his life. Sorry, Nick. Passion. The F word is not uh, not allowable on this. Um, yeah, the uh, the Bears, they certainly are, are bringing out the, the passion in their fans, right? Oh. We get your point, though, Nick. Yeah, I, I look, I, I'm, but I don't think anyone gets a pass here. Justin Fields doesn't get a pass because he hasn't been, you know, developed well. Luke Getze doesn't get a pass because Justin Fields isn't seeing the field correctly. Nobody's getting a pass here. That's why I'm saying, like, everybody's culpable. But individually, everyone has to find a way to deliver some solutions or you will be replaced. I mean, that's just yeah. the, the reality and of it. And it's not just sports, people. It's, it's the business world. It's everything in life. If you aren't part of the solution, they will move on from you. And they should. And Ryan Poles may have a little bit longer of a leash right now. He, in all likelihood, will probably be the person who makes the first round pick next season because he's at least set them up in a position where they have this escape hatch, escape hatch to hit if Justin Fields doesn't work out. But honestly, the more we're looking at the players he's assembled, the less impressed I am right now, unfortunately, right? Like, Look, it's you great. can ask questions about a lot of the guys. I, like, why is Valus Jones, uh, why is he active on Sundays? Just to return a kick? He had zero snaps. Um, why I'm, Why are we continuing? I guess we're doing it to try to get the evaluation of of Chase Claypool. You're continuing to try to force feed him. 44 of 51 snaps for I, him. I mean, Darnell Mooney, I know he was dealing with a kind of a bulky knee, right? It was a knee that he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. He's been targeted once in the last two games, and Tyler was telling me that was basically a throwaway, right? If I'm remembering correctly, it was, he was pretty much throwing the ball away. He has four catches on the season. They all came in week one. Like, where is... And, and look, he is... I trust in him more than I trust in Chase Claypool. That's yes. just my eyeballs. I agree. And, and I think that, that Darnell Mooney is a solid number two receiver in the National Football League. I think he's miscast as a number one, but still found a way to be a productive player last year without the, you know, the, the one accompanying him in the offensive huddle. I, and he's, there's, there's really no effort or it doesn't seem like there's an effort to get him involved in anything right now. Look, I love Cole Komet as a guy. Like, as a teammate, oh. you would want him on your team. You're paying yeah. him $10 million, and there's no separation. That's so another I mean, questionable decision, you, Ryan You Paulson. have to use him in the correct manner. You use him in the run game. You use him in the play action. You use him in different stuff. I'm not saying that there isn't a spot for him, but you've given him some money, and you really haven't gotten any type of yeah. benefit or return on that investment. You know, Nate Davis was invested in as well, and obviously he's gone through a very difficult time, but, you know, you haven't gotten a return on that. So, look, I mean, I can go up and you know, down the line you brought up with some name. of the decisions that have been made, and, and they're still being evaluated. I don't understand. Listen, why was Nate Davis on the active roster yesterday? I, I didn't understand why. Because, listen, I, I understand. He's dealing with the the death of his mother. It's, it's you know... Take all the time you need. Absolutely. Get your head right. I understand that. But then why is he active but not starting, Waddle? Like I, don't I know. That, that doesn't make any sense to me because either you're in the right mind frame to play football, and if that's the case, that's why aren't question. you starting? But if you're in the if you're on the active roster but you're not capable of starting, then why are you capable of playing in an emergency? I didn't understand that decision at all. I don't know. 
it, a lot of things just and this is where the minutia is getting lost because we're all focused on the macro right now but there's a lot that's going on in the micro that's not working either i don't understand let's try sal who's in connecticut sal you're on waddle and sylvie Hey, I'm going to make about a couple of points. First point, guys, go remember Ryan Pace. His first three years here as general manager was 6-10, and 3-13, and 5-11. The guy was training away uh, first-round draft picks or training away picks to move up, and the guys were turning into busts. So that's on Ryan Pace. Uh, on, um, on Justin Fields, I, I said this to Yuriko and Peggy last night. Look at the quarterbacks that have been drafted the last uh, number of years. If you go from Trevor Lawrence... Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Kyle Murray, Josh Allen, Prescott, Andrew Luck, Kim Newton, Andy Dahl, and Matt Ryan, Joe Flackles. These guys all went to bad teams. And their first year, they were putting up better numbers than Justin Fields. And in some cases, they were taking their team to the playoffs. It's not their first year, into their, into their second year. Uh, also, t- uh, take a look at uh, San Francisco. They drafted Trey Lance. They gave up all those draft picks. After four games, they didn't work out. They let him go. Zach Wilson... After uh, two years, they brought in Aaron Rodgers, Josh Rosen. After 13 games, they got rid of him. Dwayne mm-hmm. Hasker. After two years, they got rid of him. Marcus Russell. After 25 games, they got rid of him. This kind of reminds me of the Rex Grossman, Jake Cutler, Mitchell Trubisky, and now Justin Field. It's the offensive coordinator's fault. It's the offensive line's fault. We need to bring in a quarterback to, to, uh, to push these guys. What I'm seeing is from all these four of these quarterbacks, they're, they're not, they're, they can't play. It's time to move on. Let's trade Justin Fields and see what we could get. Can we get a fourth-round pick? They got one for, uh, for Trey Lance. Let's put in Tyson Bajic. Listen, he might not be the quarterback of the future, but maybe he's our backup. Or maybe at the end of the year we could flip him for a third, fourth, or fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Sal. Yeah, I don't think that that's part of the equation. Uh, trading Justin Fields, who's giving you a fourth? I don't know what anybody's going to. Or, or did he did he mean trading Tyson Bajan if he looks good for a third, fourth, or fifth? No, round I thought pick? he said to trade Justin trade Justin right now for a fourth yeah. round pick. I don't know what well, his market we, would we, be. We got into it a little bit in the pre-show fist fight. You know, Justin Fields is under. He has a fourth year rookie contract that he will be under for next season. But if things go sideways, I was asking you, like, he can't be back next year with the Bears. No. If, they've, if, they've, if you move on, you move on. You're not bringing him back as yeah. a backup. Like, again, remember, I wasn't. if you're not part of the hype train before the season began, then you understand that, you know, this was a distinct possibility. If you were part of the he's an MVP candidate heading into the season and he is him, like, you, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but even, you know, I wasn't part of that crowd. I still don't think you look to trade him after three weeks. You still need a larger body of work. Now, are you leaning in a direction with regard to how you feel it's going to end? Yes. But at this point, you know, you still have to see things through. Uh you said the, the he is him crowd made me laugh because yesterday I was watching football on the couch with my son and the Dolphins. It was the early, you know, it was like 2.30 or something before the games had started. And he got a text. He's in a group text with a bunch of th- other 13-year-olds. And in their fantasy football league, someone just texted, Raheem Mostert is him. <laughs> and that just made me laugh out loud because it just goes to show how freely the he is him gets thrown around by the youth of today. I just don't know, like, uh, again, and it didn't serve Justin any good either. Like, I, I mean, the, the amount of the expectation level, no, I thought from yeah. the beginning of the season, was way too high. Uh, I yeah. mean, it doesn't Listen. help the, the cause. And I don't know why you would look at a, a, an individual who 
last year really didn't have much of anything to work with. They're still trying to, and they have upgraded, but they're still trying to build up what's in that offensive huddle. They were by far the worst passing team in the National Football League. And and all of a sudden, you are talking about a guy going from the... the, the, 2,200 passing yards. Yeah, the, 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 the... you know, at the controls of the worst passing offense in the league, and then he's going to be an MVP candidate? Like, yeah. you're not it, doing him any good by putting that expectation on him either. The spectacular plays that he made as a runner blinded some folks into not seeing the deficiencies that were still clearly apparent as a passer. I would say this as well. Like, I, I still think that his he's at his best when he is on the move because he is remarkably accurate while he's moving. I think that that he should use his ability to break free, not looking necessarily to run, but looking to buy time on the edge to then scramble drill. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's part of what they did last year, at least in the second half of the season, that looked like it worked. And I don't really see any of that at this particular time. But I'm not seeing anything more. I will say this. He did have 11 carries yesterday. They ran 51 plays. That's 20% of the plays they ended up with him with the ball in his hands. How many of those were like legitimate designed quarterback runs? At least a couple of them. Yeah. They moved the pocket on a couple of occasions as well. Did they do enough to modify the offense for, for the masses? Maybe not. But they did try to get him on the move and, and get him more comfortable. And out ultimately, there. you know what? If you're not picking up any first downs, you're going to have less plays to work with, right? So that's also on the players. You need to pick up a- absolutely. And when you start, and when you're trailing by a large margin, you know, cutting the field in half and rolling to your right. Yeah. What is what is that going to accomplish? I mean, like you. You you put an artificial ceiling on what you're doing offensively, and you make defense de- defensive game plan a whole lot easier. Let's try Derek, who's in Brooklyn. What's up, D? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How y'all doing? Derek, what's happening? Yes, sir. Waddle, love love your uh, your knowledge of the game, and love it the fact that you're an ex Chicago Bear. But I just want to say this, man. I'm not listen. I don't want to knock the coach who hasn't been a coach that long. Like evil flus, but ten straight losses at the end of last year, three losses this year, thirteen in a row. Yep, dude, he can't coach, man. He he can't. He probably could coach as a defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, he's not the one. And another thing I want to say to um to you guys is that with Justin Fields being who he is, as far as when he came into the league with 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 the with the change in the in the head coaching, I really. Think Ryan Poles got gets to F because you should have hired an offensive minded coach to help develop this dude. That's just my opinion. I'm no, I think it's fair team. criticism, of course. When you have a yeah. young quarterback, I think that for sure, look at how it works Thanks, in Derek. Di- different places, Derek. Um, to hire an offensive minded head coach, I think is, is I think it, it, with the benefit of hindsight, I think in the benefit of foresight as well. The Bears were so scarred by the Matt Nagy experience that they found it necessary to go oppo. But the reality is, if you've got a young quarterback, we, we've talked about this time and time again. I, your, yes. Your best move is to hire a young, bright offensive mind, even if you're wrong with Matt Nagy. Because the problem is, if you go D.C., 
and you do find somebody who can be the next great offensive coordinator, then you know you're putting yourself eventually in the position where you're going to have to either watch him leave for a head coaching gig or you're putting yourself in the unenviable position where you need to make a weird decision. Hey, do we need to elevate this guy to head coach to keep him here? Nobody wants that either. Like no OC, Especially when you have a young quarterback. You don't want the turnover to continue to happen, especially if you find a guy that you think is – is really talented. Like Detroit has Ben Johnson, who had opportunities yep. to interview for. I think he did interview for a couple of spots and probably would have been hired at some point. But this he decided to go back to Detroit. Now, like they have a veteran quarterback, so they would have still been, I think, okay with Jared Golf. But if you had a young quarterback, I think it's even more imperative that you have a you know yes. a, a solid offense coordinator and you want stability in that position as well. So, look, everybody's on the clock. There's there's no doubt. That's just the nature of the beast, and they've lost 14 straight, and it looks like there's some chaos that's continuing to linger. You'd be foolish not to suggest that everybody up at Hallis yeah. Hall is the, on the clock. The only thing working in Matt Eberflus's favor right now is that. The McCaskies have always been reluctant to make an in-season coaching change. And so, you know, I don't foresee that right now, especially considering that Alan Williams abruptly resigned resigned last week. The, you know, you're down a coordinator, so chances are firing Matt Eberflus in the middle of the season isn't going to accomplish a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, I may mean, have heard people rec- or, 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 uh, mention that. I, I don't. So who do you turn things uh, over to? Like, if there's no good answer yeah, at Luke, this point. Luke Getzey doesn't have the answers on offense. You certainly don't want him to all of a sudden become your head coach. I think John Hoke is an assistant, right, that's got NFL experience, but no, yeah, I don't but, think he's what, got any head coaching. I mean, like, I get it. Like, we're at the point now where we're pulling our hair out. Unless, unless I, Waddle, interim head coach. Coach Ditka. Stop. 312-332-3776. Let's try Eli, who's downtown. Eli, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, I just uh, you know, want to change the pace of this show. As an eternal optimist oh um, and a Bears fan for 25 years, let's, I want to go over other situations in the NFL that I think the Bears are in a better place than. Okay, I let's think- do it. You know what, Eli? I welcome <laughs> an optimistic approach on today. I, I'm not BSing you either. I'm appreciating the fact that you're going to try to lighten our mood. All right, here we go. All right. At least we didn't pay Justin Fields the money that the Denver Broncos paid Russell Wilson. Imagine how they're feeling right now. There are hundreds of millions of dollars in the sure. in the back with this guy. So we have flexibility um, with our salary cap. There were ninety-six million dollars this offseason. Waddle, don't okay. forget that. I just wrote it that's down. A lot of, that's a lot of. Big guys on our O line, D line. Who knows? Yeah. It's, a, it's a great fantasy to to imagine yeah. and dream about. And the Bears um, didn't just lose by fifty either, Eli. Even though they're three and a half point that's dogs. True. That's so true. we got financial flexibility. What's number two on your list, Eli? I'm going to go with. I think we're in a better position as fans than the New York Giants. Uh, I will say that even though they did get in the playoffs last year, they're not winning a Super Bowl anytime uh, soon. They know it. They know it. So, but, but, wait a, but, wait a but wait a second. But wait a second, Eli. Like I thought you were going to give me some big picture stuff that make me just because we're not oh. we're not worse off than the Giants. I got to be honest with you. It doesn't Agreed. make Dis- me feel. Disagree, by the way. Yeah, and all by right, the way, right, they've right, got right. an offensive minded head coach that that you know we kind of wanted. Yes. Yeah. Would have been a good uh, okay. Marriage. But keep going, Eli. 
right. All right. Well, what I didn't expound on is the fact that do the New York Giants have two first-round picks? Probably going to be top five. No, they don't. We do. Okay. There we go. There we go. There so we not go. only we've got cap, we've got cap flexibility. We've got draft currency. You know, and not only is our the two top five picks like pretty pretty nice. We can maybe trade down. What if we trade down and get like 30 first round picks for the 30. next 20 okay. years? Okay. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We could play around with those picks. Sure. Um, all right. Here's another fact. Okay. Uh, Virginia, McCas- Virginia McCaskey is very old. All right. It's very old. So you never know. You, you know, you never right. know. I fear, so Eli, that the, okay, that's, I think listen, we've I'll run say, our course here. I'll say the same thing about that versus in relation to what I've always said about the White Sox. Yeah. The owner expiring doesn't have to be the reason why you pivot and start heading in the right direction. Yes. That just can't be the, the, what everyone is thinking about. Truth be told, everybody applauded the hiring of Kevin Warren. I really haven't. Absolutely. Heard, and, and so it... it as one of our previous callers pointed out, he hasn't had a lot of time to really make, you know, put his fingerprints on the Bears organization. He's, he's been here for a few months, right? So let's see. Let's see how he goes about this. Um, I will say to Eli's point, he's absolutely right. You have cap flexibility, you have cash, and you have draft currency. So you have the capacity to get better. You had some of that this year as well. And instead of making significant progress, we've seen them regress. Yeah. So just because you have the money and you have the draft currency doesn't mean that you're going to deploy it effectively and appropriately. That's still to be determined on a number of fronts. So, yes, you are right, Eli, that we have that kind of flexibility. At least we're not completely decimated in terms of cap space and we have no draft picks left. We do have all of that. But now we have to find a way to make all of that work. Yeah. Work. The Bears have the there. It looks like they're looking at the Blackhawks for the Connor Bedard plan. That's what Eli's suggesting is maybe you get lucky, you end up with the first overall pick, and then all of a sudden the the fortunes of the franchise. I change. just can't believe we're 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 having this That's, conversation heading into Week Four. Not that I, anybody thought we were a Super Bowl champion contender, but the fact that now everyone's talking about coaching replacements quarterback replacements and a complete overhaul and i gotta start planning my days around usc football on saturday right like not even that but like it's just it's crazy it's crazy to think about how we have gone from zero to flush it all again like in a matter of less than a month yes i know and i look i was part of the crew i'm i was expecting significant improvement in a lot of areas and not only have we not gotten that like I said, you've regressed in a number of spots. That's Waddle. I'm Meller in for Sylvie today. Every Monday at 4.30, we give you a weekend recap in the good, the bad, the dirty. Our only reprieve from your calls here on a Bears Monday. We'll do that next right here on ESPN 1000. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. The good. It's gone! Oh my God! The bad. That is so bad, that is absolutely proof. And the dirty. I'm talking about nasty. Uh, wow. So many stories are running through my head right now. Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. 
The Good, the Bad, and the Dirty is brought to you by Finishing Finishing Chicago. I'm Jeff Meller, in for Sylvie today on Waddle and Sylvie. This is where we give you a weekend recap of what we saw that was good, what was bad, and of course, what was dirty. Your interpretation, feel free to take it how you like it when it comes to being dirty. Take it how you like it? Take it how you like it take when it comes how you to like being it. dirty, okay. Watts. Um, what's Do you want your me to good? start my good? I think I saw Saturday night maybe the best catch I've seen since the Odell Beckham catch from years ago on Monday Night Football. High praise. Florida wide receiver Ricky Pearsall. I don't know if you've seen You saw it. I know you yes. did. But if, if those of you are at home and you haven't seen it, check it out. Again, his name is Ricky Pearsall, number one wide receiver. He makes a one-handed catch before getting blasted, a hit that... That actually drew a penalty as well. Mm-hmm. And I believe, who were they playing? Uh, who was, uh, they were playing. Was it like Charlotte? It was like I a think it was, yeah, school, Charlotte. Yeah. It was, did you see the catch, Tyler? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's just spectacular. And uh, I I don't know that that catch is made without the uh, the new uh, gloves that you basically can't drop a football once it hits you in the hands while you're wearing them. But it's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. So check it out. Ricky Pearsall with a one-handed catch that was remarkable. Not only the how he caught it, but then to absorb the contact and not be separated from the football was spectacular. No short arming it there from uh, no, from Ricky. No. And why why are we why are we? Never mind. We'll get back to that. I still, to me, like that is such a telling response to a very good question from the head coach today when he met the media. My good is the historic performance that the Miami Dolphins put on display yesterday in their noon kickoff against the Denver Broncos. They put a 70-burger on Denver. That's a big burger. That is a big, big burger. In fact, it's the first time we've seen a 70-burger since 1966. Well, I Actually, see I didn't see it because I wasn't alive. Yeah, I was going to ask you, though, if you've wa- if did you watch that game closely? I watched a lot of it. I did. Did Were, were they, like, were they running it up? Or was it just, did that, listen, so, this is professional football. I get it. If you don't want them to get in the end zone, stop them. So I don't have a, a whole lot of patience for people that say they weren't really running it up per se. They were actually running the ball quite effectively, and the Broncos had no answers for it. Yeah. And here's the thing. I think most people who have watched football now for the last few years are probably aware that Raheem Mostert, when he's healthy, he's he an explosive, go. and he yeah. can run quickly. He's a former track star. But now, in addition to also having Tyreek Hill, who you have to account for and is probably the scariest wide receiver that secondaries are concerned about in the NFL, they've also added Devon Chain in the draft this year. He was the fastest player in the draft this season. And now you've got Mostert, you've got Chain, who are both running absurd you know, counters in Mike McDaniel's offense, which is obviously from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of motion. It's hard for defenses to account for all this speed. And so oftentimes when Mostert or A-Chain would get to the second level, there's nobody catching them. You saw numerous 40, 50, 60-yard runs by Mostert, A-Chain, and then all the uh, Tyreek Hill streaking down the field for 50-yard balls. So they we're going to do that this Sunday, right? Waddle, they did that without Jalen Waddle, who was yeah, out with, uh, in concussion protocol. Yeah. It, it was stupid what the, what the Dolphins did, and I think – Everybody in the NFL is probably a little bit concerned. As long as their guys stay healthy, I think they're the scariest Look, offense in football. No doubt. There are a couple of really good things that happened in the NFL yesterday. Which, you know, CJ Stroud, what he's done, 
Uh, I mean, there were several things that have taken place early in the season that have probably raised a few eyebrows. Let's see if any of them are in uh, Tyler and Charlie's goods. What do you got, uh, Tyler? Well, I'm actually going to go to the college ranks and the Oregon Ducks and the beatdown that they put on Colorado, 42-6. to This was JV versus varsity. This may have even been the freshman team against the varsity team because what Bo Nix did out there and just the way that Dan Lanning, before the game, fired up his troops. Take a listen to this. Rooted in substance, <laughs> not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass, right? It's going to be played on the grass. I admire what Oregon did, but I will tell you this from experience. There is a ton of substance to what Deion Sanders is saying and no, doing. No, absolutely. No, Deion is doing a fantastic job. They have already overachieved in every which right. way. But Dan Lanning, for a team who he knows, he's trying to get to the playoff, right? He knows how many eyeballs are going to be on this game. Yeah. And he knew if he beat the brakes off of or off That's of a a Colorado point. in this game, it would go a long way. It will way. elevate his program that much more. So to motivate his team the way that he did, I think Oregon and Dan Lanning, fantastic job over the weekend. Yes. Agreed. Chucky. Uh, my good was uh, I won that fantasy league with uh, that I made. Oh, Zetterman's yeah. kids? Yeah, I won that league on Sunday. Oh, did you destroy a bunch of nine-year-olds? Yes, I did. Nicely How much did done, you win? Charlie. I think 25 bucks is the payout. Really? I think I, I'm pretty sure. Any I tears? Was, Anybody get teary? I don't know, but I, all I know is I think we started like one and three. I wasn't paying too much attention, and we finished ten and four. So I went on like well a done, nine and one. Charlie. Run. Nicely done. For people done, that don't, don't aren't aren't yeah, dialed into quick this. Synopsis. Yeah, yeah. So, Describe it. Yeah, Danny asked if Danny I Zetterman, could, our content content director. Yes, he asked me if I could manage his son's fantasy league, uh, fantasy baseball. Fantasy, yeah, his fantasy baseball team. It's you know basically just a bunch of. Uh, like nine-year-olds, nine-year-olds yes. basically playing yeah. fantasy basically baseball. Nine-year-old travel team, yeah, yeah. together for fantasy baseball. And uh, you know, I would wake up and I would just add all the pitchers that were available, and then I would win most games by like seventy to hundred points. Basically, Charlie did his version of the Miami Dolphins to a bunch of nine-year-old travel baseball players because his boss asked him to manage his son's fantasy baseball team. I admire the moxie there, Charlie. Well done, Charlie. He's like the old-school reference. Charlie was. Uh, he was Kramer dominating the kids in the yeah. do, in the dojo, just just crushing the spirits of nine year olds out there. Good work by you. Well Charlie. done, Chuck. Did you get a raise? What's the we'll see. Maybe well should, done, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Look at that twenty five dollar raise. Uh, my bad. I'll just echo and make it quick. What uh, my bad was was the beatdown that Colorado received from Oregon for all the reasons that Tyler mentioned. Good for Oregon, but that game uh, just. It was dominated from start to finish, 522 yards to 199 yards. It was 42 zip until the fourth quarter. So just was was a bad uh, bad beatdown for the Colorado Buffs. My bad is Gardner Minshew pulling off the Orlovsky yesterday, stepping out of the back Not of the end zone. Not nearly as egregious as the Orlovsky. I don't know. Still pretty bad. I feel like quarterbacks, whenever, like, you deserve the shame that comes with stepping out of the back of the end zone. Orlovsky, you're right. Orlovsky was an all-timer, but Minshew was pretty bad. I thought Gardner Minshew had a little bit more awareness as a quarterback. In fact, I think 
he should lose 10 points in his Madden, Madden rating in the update the next time it comes out just for doing that. And, by, and uh, oh, by the way, the Ravens lost that game to the Colts, did they not, in overtime? Right? That's, yep. that's bad, yes. too. That so is to very lose bad. that when that happens in that game, no good for the Ravens. Tyler, what do you got for your bad? My bad. The Notre Dame defense on the final, what the final significant play at the goal line against Ohio State, trying to protect a fourteen to ten lead. Protect and, this house, and you leave ten men on the field. Whoops! To go up against uh, Ohio State as they try to run it to, through the goal line there. And there were two absolutely brain-dead coaching moves in this game. First, Ryan Day on a fourth and an inches runs a, a jet sweep. It was a, a Matt Nagy special there. That fails. And then Marcus Freeman outdumbs him by having ten guys on the field the ne- on the next drive It was there. back-to-back plays, right? With the, yeah, the last two plays. Yeah. Notre Dame had ten on the field. Unbelievable. That's a that's a bad way to lose a but football nice. game. He did it twice. And, and they... Notre Dame and Charlie looked, was in attendance for that, was, right? Yeah, Notre Dame looked like the better team in that game too. Mm. That was a good game. What's your bad, Charlie? Yeah, my bad is the Washington Commanders getting their asses kicked by Buffalo. They, Sam Howell <laughs> got sacked nine times in that game. Yeah, Magic Johnson there too. Oh, really? I didn't even I didn't even notice that. I didn't I didn't catch that uh, Magic was at the game. The new owner in the house. Yeah. Well, you would you like my dirty? Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dirty is the Cincinnati Reds bullpen this weekend. Oh. Uh, they are in a fight for a wild card spot, obviously. Uh, they lost to the Pirates 13 to 12 in a game in which they led 9 to nothing. The Pirates overcame a nine run deficit for the first time since the franchise started playing in 1882. They had 13 unanswered runs. Not so great. You guys. That is a dirty. Dirty loss if you're the Cincinnati Reds, especially considering the Cubs won three in a row over exactly. the weekend, and your your Red you're Legs are trying to get for in that. Yes, via wild the wild card, card spot. Uh, dirty loss. At least the uh, the Cubs had a nice little weekend. At least we can say something nice about one of our Chicago teams. My dirty. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Vikings Chargers game when it's Brandon Staley against Kirk Cousins. There are no winners, even if the Chargers scoreboard won the game. The fact that Kirk Cousins throws a game ceiling interception on the goal line and the fact that he had the opportunity courtesy of Brandon Staley, no good. And of course, it was dirty that the Chargers lost Mike Williams to a torn ACL in that game as well. I'd like Bomber a quarterback there. that throws 30 touchdowns and 4,500 yards one just once in my career. <laughs> we'll see. Just once. We'll see. Just maybe, once. Maybe one I don't day. care what the name on the jersey is. I don't care what the name on the back of his jersey says. I just, yeah. I want to be the fan of a team that fair. does that one time. It's a fair request. One time. It's a fair request. Tyler, what's your dirty? My dirty is Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr., who put up another 300-yard game. He basically only plays a half of football these days. Um, but he actually is your new favorite to win the Heisman now. Really? He surpassed Caleb Williams as of this morning. He is plus 340. I think Caleb's plus 460. Is that because Caleb was off this weekend? No, they, they almost they lost to Arizona State. Did they really? Yeah. I didn't see the game. Yeah. I was busy getting all uh, hammered up watching... Uh, 
good friend of mine's daughter get married this weekend in South Carolina, so I didn't see as much college football as normal. That's okay. Congratulations to them. Yes, thank you. you had a I'll good uh, a good weekend, right? Yes, congratulations I had a great on weekend. the uh, the alcohol. I had a great weekend. Poisoning. Congrats on the alcohol. There was no poisoning in the alcohol poisoning. The alcohol a little bit. consumption. There was no poisoning. Eh, a little bit. Listen, you're always poisoning your body just a little bit when you're drinking alcohol. That's, That's okay, true. Uh, what do you got, Charlie? You wrap us up with your dirty. Yeah, my dirty is Mac Jones once again. Guy's just a dirty player. You seeing this on Twitter now? Is he now? kicking guys in the nuts again? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, uh, he grabbed Sauce Gardner in his uh, quote in that was sent to the league office. Uh, private parts. Yeah, that's his move. That's what he does. He's a dirty player, man. He kicked his someone in the nuts. It was, it was Brisker, right? Or was it Gordon or Brisker from our yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, the, the Monday that, night game. Yes, that's right. Flies with his leg up. That's likes, a big move. Yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. That is the good, the bad, and the dirty. Did brought you en- to you by Finishing Chicago. Did you enjoy that Patriots Jets rock fight? Like I didn't God, watch it. God no, no. God, I didn't. Of course. You not. know what I watched? I, I was on the plane coming back, and I had access to watching Green Bay. Yes, in, in uh, New Orleans. And I'll tell you this: Jordan uh, Love did not look good for the majority of that game. He was completely inaccurate you're way right. too many times. His first half was. But horrible. I give him a ton of credit for hanging in there. He's got moxie. He does. Found a way to help his team get in the end zone twice, and they yeah. ended up beating the the Saints eighteen to seventeen in a yeah. in a game that you thought <laughs> for the majority of it the, the Saints I, were in complete control. I, I, another reason why I, uh, Andrew Siciliano will always be my favorite red zone host. Yesterday, Sc- Scott Hansen, as they were breaking down the Derek Carr AC joint injury, yeah. Scotty Hansen kept saying, we, we need a replay to see what's wrong with the shoulder injury, or I'm sorry, with what's wrong with the injury. We don't know what actually is hurt. My mom is at, at my house with me watching the TV, just yelling at Scott Hansen. It's his shoulder. It is clearly his shoulder. He's walking off into the locker room, holding his yeah. arm. And my mom's like, it's his shoulder. What do you need to see a replay for? Scott Hansen's like, you know, he's probably watching 10 different monitors, so he didn't get a clear look at it. But my mom's like, just getting completely nuts. I, love I, it. I just, uh, yeah, the Saints, that's not a good do- deal for them with uh, Derek Carr with the AC joint injury. But the Packers and Jordan Love uh, get a win. How about which that? Which we hate. The, uh, the, the Lions and the Packers now are both are 2-1. and one. And you know they play Thursday night. That is correct. Waddle and Very Sylvie. mediocre division we live in. <laughs> it's a winnable, winnable, winnable division for a pro football team. Waddle and Sylvie, I'm Meller in for Sylvie. We'll take your calls talking about a Bears loss, a brutal one, here on ESPN 1000. Waddle and Sylvie, from our State Street studio to your hellish commute home, we're there with you making it bearable. Never mind. Back to Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. All right, will there be any whip cracking at Hallis Hall? Certainly didn't sound like it from the head coach when you, we brought you his press conference at 2.30. They are circling the wagons and... How about, listen again, it just satiates the meatball in me. How about just one time I hear from somebody out there, listen, we sucked yeah. and we need to be better across the board. Coaches, players, everybody. Everybody, we all, as an organization, we need to be better. This isn't acceptable. And then when a coach, when, when, or not when the coach, when, the, when, when I think it was Jason Leisure asks you the question, 
brings it to you. Can you can you play that real quick? Yes, I this, can. This as yeah. Jason Leisure t- asking a question of Coach Matt Eberflus today about a specific play in the game when Chase Claypool was in one on one and failed to come down with a a contested ball. Yeah, I don't see short arm. I, I see a high point the ball. You know, instead of jumping up, you know, a little early, I think uh, he would he would agree with that. You go high point the ball. Um, you know, catch it as highest point with you know. And when he jumps and gets it there, so I th- that's the only thing I critique I would have with that. I thought he just jumped a little bit early on it. Now, uh, Jason Leisure asked you know, him here, about. I'm sorry, here, let me. 50 50 ball, too, or at least that's why I perceived it to chase Claypool yeah. down the field. After reviewing it, what did you, should Claypool have made that catch? I think Greg Olson said on the TV broadcast watching it that he short armed that play. Yeah, I don't see short arm. I, I see a high point the ball, you know, instead of jumping up, you know, a little early. I think uh, he would he would agree with that. You go high point the ball, um, you know, catch it as highest point with you know, and when he jumps and gets it there. So I th- that's the only thing I critique I would have with that. I thought he just jumped a little bit early on it. If you're not reaching to snatch the ball out of the air, isn't it by definition that you have short armed it? You did not. Your <laughs> arms were short versus your arms were extended and being long. Now I just don't know why the coach yeah. feels that if he says something other than that that. Are you offending the player? Why are you? Why do you feel the need to not? I, I mean, yeah. honestly, well, these are professionals. Matt Eberflus should have said that's a play that Chase Claypool needs to make for himself and for his quarterback and for his offense. He's got a significant size advantage and probably a significant athletic advantage over the cornerback that was playing him. Was it a good play by the cornerback? I guess so. Yeah, because he was able to knock the ball away. But why shouldn't we have the ex- expectation that Chase is going to go up, use his big frame, his six four height, and his long arms, and go up and catch that ball? So instead of saying the Kansas City Chiefs cornerback made a good play, we're saying Chase Claypool made a good play for himself, for his offense, yes. and for his quarterback. Like I just don't know why I- Matt Eberflus struggles to be critical of his team that is playing like crap yeah when you're this bad why are you coddling players because at this point 13 losses in a row you should start to look at yourself and say whatever i'm doing i need to change my approach because it's clearly not woke now again i don't know how he's addressing his team behind closed doors but from from what he just said don't you walk away from that feeling Enab- well, I really don't know that the coach is holding this no. young man are you, accountable. Are you enabling them? It's, yes. it's it's a fair question. And the and publicly the persona that Matt Eberflus is putting forth is that he is a coach who is not holding his players accountable at this point. Hey, hey listen, and- Chase Claypool needs to make that catch. DJ Moore is your best player. He needs to make that catch on the sideline. It was an excellent ball by Justin Fields. Khalil Herbert can't fumble. Yep. Like all of this stuff, you just have to say, guys. It's okay to be critical. You're professionals. Doesn't mean that I'm not pulling for you, but at some point, I have if, to hold you all accountable. And if I'm hurting your feelings, maybe you will. You're not the right guy. And for maybe this you'll team. go out and play in a way that you won't want to have your feelings hurt. At this point, it's just that I don't understand the 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 the, the, the why I, I behind it. I don't know, and, and it, it changes. From Matt Eberflus and his approach, I think need to happen because 13 losses in a row. Something again, you, you can't continue to do and operate the way you have been because nothing is changing at this point. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're taking all of your calls after another Bears debacle. Three weeks in, it's the second day of fall, and already it is an effed up fall. Mm.
Waddle and Sylvie, Mellor and for Sylvie, ESPN 1000.